Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Our Christmas living history tours are just a few weeks away. Step back in time to the Christmas season in the 1800s and discover Elizabeth Ann Seton's inspirational story from those who knew her best. Led by candlelight, these guided tours will lead you into the two historic homes of Mother Seton, which are decorated for the Christmas season. Candlelight tours of Christmas past will engage all of your senses, immerse you in historical traditions of Mother Seton's time, and offer hands-on activities for people of all ages. Reserve your tickets today at setonshrine.org. Now here's Father Ted. As we draw to the end of the liturgical year, the church always directs our attention to those ultimate experiences that every human being will face. Either the experiences that will take place at the end of the world or at the end of our world, at the end of our life when we pass away. The realities of death, the realities of judgment, hell, and heaven. And so what today's gospel is trying to tell us, actually the, the liturgy today as a whole, is the need for us to be investing our talents wisely so that when death comes upon us at that unexpected hour, we might be prepared for it. The lesson in today's gospel is something fairly intuitive. We have this master who gives these different talents to these servants. The master represents God who gives us, each and every last one of us, different talents, different gifts, different capacities. And these are not just talents in the sense of athletic capacities or artistic capacities. The talents that come from God are much, is a much broader idea. Everything that we have is a kind of a talent. The natural things that we have. All of our physical possessions. The money that we have. The time that we have. The family that we have. Yes, the talents that we have as well. Our resources. Our heart. Everything is a talent. And also the supernatural things. Supernatural things like grace. The church, our vocation, the Bible, the sacraments, these are talents that God has given us to invest. And the straightforward lesson is we need to invest these things wisely if we wish to be received into the Master's joy. We do not own what we have. We are merely stewards of it. Everything that we receive is to be given away, and if we give it away, we are guaranteed the possession of God. Now, one point of interest in this gospel is how the master came back in an unannounced fashion. The gospel says he went away, and after a long time, he came back. And there's no reason to believe that the servants had any kind of warning as to when he was going to come back. Nor did the servants have some sort of a minimal quota of talents that they were supposed to be producing. The good and faithful servants, they just received the talents and they got to work. They started investing them. They started producing more talents. If he had delayed, if the master had taken even longer to return, we can assume that they might have even tripled the talents that they had. They were always prepared for the coming of the master. And this is what St. Paul told the Thessalonians to do in our second reading today. He's talking to the Thessalonians in the second reading about 
the second coming of Christ, the end of the world, the parousia. And he says that it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to talk about the signs and the seasons because you Thessalonians already know that the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That is to say, he's going to come in a sudden and an unexpected way. There's not going to be a forewarning as to when the second coming will actually take place. And along with this motif of the thief in the night being an image for the second coming of Christ, it's also a symbolism for death. That's how tradition has, has, has looked at this image. St. Therese of Lisieux, for example, when she was lying on her deathbed and her sisters were, were recording her last words, they would often mark down how she referred to death as the thief. The thief, Jesus, was coming for her. He was coming to take her away to heaven. And this is an image that makes sense because, you know, we know when death is going to come just as much as a homeowner knows when a thief is going to break into his house. That is to say, we don't. We can predict the day of our death with about as much certainty as the weatherman can predict next month's weather. And we all know how accurate that is. But the one difference between the thief in the night and the reality of our death is that the one might never happen. Good Lord willing, we never have a thief break into our house at night. That's not something inevitable. But death is something inevitable. Every last one of us eventually, at some point, will be six feet under. St. Augustine wrote, Death alone is certain. All other goods and evils are uncertain. You are human, therefore you will die, says St. Alphonsus. And we can do all kinds of things to save ourselves. We can build levees to hold back floods. We can extinguish fires. We can even earthquake-proof buildings, which is what they're doing in San Francisco. But we cannot hold off death. We cannot save ourselves from that inevitable reality. We read in the Psalms, Who is the man that shall live and not see death? You know, people are very diverse. We come from all sorts of different backgrounds. All, we come in all different shapes and sizes. The life experiences that we undergo are extremely diverse. But the one thing that we all have in common is that there was a day when we entered into this world, the day of our conception, and there's going to be a day when we leave this world, the day of our death. So if you put these two truths together, the truth that, first of all, the coming of our death is something unknown, we don't know when, but it's something inevitable, you get this traditional expression. Nothing is more certain than death. Nothing is less certain than the hour of our death. Now, all of this talking about death, it could lead to some trepidation. It's not exactly the sort of thing that you bring up at a wedding. But let's keep in mind what St. Paul told the Thessalonians. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness for that day to overtake you like a thief. So you, brothers and sisters, you believers, you Christians, are not asleep. Death will not, uh, death will not overtake you like a thief. So there are some people, he talks about, who are asleep. These are the children of the night. They are living in darkness. They will be surprised by death like a thief in the night, and it, death will be their destruction. But on the other hand, the brothers and sisters of Paul, the believers, Christians, are children of light. 
and they do not get caught off guard by nighttime intruders. They, the Christians, stay awake and are sober. They are vigilant. And holy people throughout the history of the church have found ways to to do this, to be vigilant, to be attentive, to keep in mind the reality of their mortality. So St. Charles Borromeo, for example, very simply had a human skull on his desk. There was another Italian cardinal who had on his episcopal ring the motto, Memento Mori, remember your death. There was another Italian bishop who had a skull on his desk as well, and he actually had inscribed onto the skull, painted onto the skull, the words as if the skull was talking to him. The words that were inscribed were, so you can imagine the skull saying this to you, what you are, I was. What I am, you will be. And if we want to have an experience like this ourselves without actually having human remains in our close proximity, we can obviously go to the cemetery. Just go to the cemetery, especially in November. It's a beautiful time to pray for the deceased. But go there for your own sake as well. And look at those tombstones. Every single last one of those tombstones has a name on it, has a date when the person was born, and a date when the person died, and a hyphen in between. We could make our own tombstone, actually. We could put the name on it. We could put the beginning date on it. We could put the hyphen on it. But we don't quite know where the end date is. But there will be an end date. And as Christians, we don't confront this reality by simply trembling with fear. Rather, we prepare ourselves for that inevitable day. Like an employee that has to give a presentation to the management of his company, he could sit in front at his desk all day just trembling in fear. Or he could start doing research for the project. He could prepare a PowerPoint. He could print handouts. That is to say, he could get ready for that presentation that he's going to have to make. God does not tell us about death to scare us. He does so to warn us. St. Augustine pointed out that whoever warns you about something doesn't want you to get hurt by that something. Like when a golfer yells four, he's not trying to hurt somebody. He's trying to save somebody from the ball that's coming at them. So keep in mind also that this preparation for death, it's not just a single action that we have to perform. It's not a one-and-done affair like the writing of a will. It's not as if, okay, I'm going to go to confession today, and therefore I'm good. I'm ready to, to meet our Lord. It's a preparation which is a continual lifelong affair that we must persevere in. It does no good to be ready for God today if tomorrow we are not ready for Him. So the question is, am I living my life in such a way that I am prepared for my death? If the divine thief comes for me today, am I going to be prepared to meet him? Or would I ask for more time? for an extension? Would I risk, or rather, am I risking my salvation by procrastinating some reform in my life? The inevitable coming of the Master is going to occur at an unexpected hour, and so we need to keep on investing whatever talents he gave us. How do we invest talents? Well, if God gave you a tongue, Use it to talk about God and to praise Him. If God gave you an intellect, use it to think about God. 
If God give you a hand, use it to draw people closer to God. If God give you a heart, use it to love God and your neighbor. Every last one of us could also invest our talents by imitating the, the valiant woman from the first reading in today's Mass. This was a woman who was carrying out faithfully her duties in an inconspicuous way, and in this way she was saving herself. Every last one of us has that possibility. Because regardless of whether we are a, a wife, a husband, single, married, a child, a father, whatever our state in life, we invest talents by carrying out our duties in life. By using those capacities, those gifts, those things we receive from God for the fulfillment of our duties. And something else. Today is the fourth annual World Day of the Poor. And so investing our talents might mean helping people with those financial talents that we have received. Because there is still a great need for that. There are 890 million people, according to the UN, who are living on $1.90 a day. That's 9.6% of the world's population. And there are some 815 million people who do not have sufficient food for a healthy lifestyle. And there are 155 million children who are suffering, who are stunted, whose development has been severely hindered because of chronic malnourishment. And this is not just something out there in, you know, developing countries. In America, too, many people fall through the cracks of the welfare state. And so there were, a couple of years ago, 1.5 million people spent the night in a homeless shelter. And there are 556,000 people who are chronically homeless, who are on a regular basis living on the streets. So there's still much that has to be done. But if we do this, if we prepare ourselves, if we invest our talents wisely, the day of our death will be a joyous one. It might be like the winter in a sense. Yes, our bodies will be cold the day we die. There will, we will cease to grow. Our skin will become pale. But there will be a springtime of resurrection for those who love God. On that day, the heavens will be opened up to us. The saints will come out to meet us. Our guardian angel who has been with us during this whole earthly pilgrimage of ours will be revealed to us. And they together will bring us into the presence of God Almighty and his blessed mother, and they will show us the place that has been prepared for us from all eternity. That's what we have to look forward to on the day of our death, if we invest those talents wisely. So let us begin by investing them right now in this Mass. The Eucharist is the greatest talent, the greatest gift that comes from on high. Let us put our hearts and our minds upon God, and live this Mass as if it was our first Mass, as if it was our last Mass, as if it were our only Mass.